I was like, I'm done. I'm like, I'm done with doctors. I am absolutely over it. And I just started focusing on food and focusing on lifestyle and being happy. And I, and I started to sort of get better. I was, I was really, I knew I was getting better. I was in the worst shape that I had been like so far, like in bed, just completely energy drained. But I knew deep down that it was like really actually the purge of that. Um, but that spring was when things started turning out. I just, I just had my diet really under control and things started healing. And that was around two years ago. And now I am, I am better than I have been in a really long time. I have energy. Um, pretty much my whole chest is healed. It's just scar tissue now. My back was like, it, was, it looked like someone was chipping, chipping balls out of it, you know, like golf divots. And it was just spreading and spreading. That has started to tide over. I started to introduce new foods. I'm just, I'm stronger overall, you know, and I can, I really have the awareness to say, all right, I'm eating, I'm eating too many eggs. I can, I know where I'm flaring or I'm eating too much of this. I know that I'm flaring. I'm having too much sugar. I know there's a flare there. Um, I've just sort of found a system that, that worked for me. That's Jackson Gillies and I'm Brian Felchuk. The Do A Day Podcast. Will you hear from the most inspiring people who have been through hard times, overcome them, and have turned around to help others with what they've learned. I'm your host, Brian Falchuk. I know because I've lived it myself. I've written about it in my book, Do A Day, and that's why I'm bringing you this show. Remember, today's a new day. Go out and do it. Hey, day doers. Welcome to another episode of the Do A Day podcast. Today, my guest is a really cool young adult. He's not a kid. He's in his 20s now, but his story started when he was a kid. And he's been sharing it since he was a teenager. This is Jackson Gillies. He's a musician. Some of you may recognize him. He was on uh, one of the seasons of American Idol. And he got to share his background, his story uh, with Katy Perry, Lionel Richie. Um, you know, they really engaged with him during his tryout. And he talked about this condition he has that when you see the video, you immediately are like, oh, what's, what's going on with him? Uh, he has these abscesses, and actually what he's got in the video is scars from the abscesses from a condition called HS, which stands for hydrodenitis superativa. He also has type 1 diabetes, and as we go through his story, you see a pattern of some autoimmune issues that have started really since he was a baby, you know, since birth. And Jackson recounts his story of this struggle of trying to overcome these things and figure out what his body needs and how to attend to that and how to find help for himself. It's a really beautiful story of coming to clarity with listening to your body. You see how he discovered his own musical abilities through that process. And like so many of my guests, you also hear not a wish that this never happened or a why me kind of attitude, but a thankfulness for what it's allowed his life to become. And that is incredibly beautiful. I want to get into this episode. I will link to it in the show notes and we talk about it, but you should absolutely watch his TED Talk. You can catch his music and all that. It's stuff worth getting into. He's a really talented, clear, uh, caring, and genuine person. And what he's been through and the way that he shares that out to create more awareness is all for the sake of trying to help others in the same spot. And Jackson goes through 
what it's like to live with and be diagnosed with HS, but the average diagnosis time is seven years. That is an incredibly long time to be suffering in a number of ways and have no sense of what's going on or what to do about it. And of course, there are people who take far longer than that. So his goal is to try to shorten that by raising awareness, try to find paths to help people by sharing his story. And that's a really beautiful thing. So let's dig right into the story with Jackson Gillies. Jackson Gillies, thank you so much for joining me. It's a very exciting moment in my household having you on. We're all big fans. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Um, you, uh, you may be a name that some folks know from your TEDx or from your American Idol appearance. Obviously, that, that certainly got a lot of attention, but there's way more. You're not on this show because of American Idol. It's all the other stuff you do, and that's what I'm really interested in. But do give us like just a brief rundown of what you're about today, what's the stuff you're working on, and, uh, and then we'll dig into your life story, which is pretty, pretty inspiring. Sure. Um, so yeah, as of, as of recently, uh, what's well, uh, really five years ago, I moved to California, moved to Santa Barbara. I was living in Florida at the time. Before that, I was living in New York, um, moved to Florida because we were sick in New York. I mean, it was just me and my mom. It was freezing cold during the winter and yeah. New York, uh, Florida was cheap and, and I'm a type one diabetic, of course. And, uh, and they were saying, have you ever considered moving somewhere tropical, get better exercise and you know, get better control of your blood sugar. Right when I moved to Florida, got a wicked chronic skin condition, you know, which we'll talk about more later. And then I moved to Santa Barbara when I was 15, 16. And that was sort of the start of me doing things that mattered, yeah. at least you know, in my eyes, as, as starting to sort of make an impact in my world. I wasn't just existing as a kid anymore. I was making my own decisions. And that's where it really started. Uh, like two years after being there, I did the TEDx thing and I started becoming a bigger voice in the community um, and just sort of figuring myself out and growing into myself while seeing other people who were doing the exact same thing. Yeah. 17 years old doing a TEDx is awesome. I, I forget. I for, It was such a crazy time. I forget that I did it. <laughs> really? I re, It was I, I was literally, you know, like I was a different person back then yeah. for that period of time, for the two months that I had to write and memorize that I was an alien. Yeah. I was not a human being. <laughs> and people say like, it's just, it slips my mind. It's yeah. such a, it's such an amazing, it's like, it's so hard to grasp sometimes, yeah. you know, that whole concept in that time. It's had a ton of views, so it hasn't slipped a lot of people's minds, but, um, yeah, it's, I, I get that. Like, definitely, you kind of go in a zone, go on lockdown mode, produce it, and then it's like, wait, what just happened? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you're a musician. Yes. Yes. Not just, uh, you don't just play and sing, but you also write music. Um, we were listening to your single again this morning, watching the video. Oh, uh, that's great. Um, Miss You Too? Miss Me Too, yeah. Miss Me Too, yeah, sorry. First song I ever put out. Um, yeah, I, I was into um, I was into musical theater for really just I was in a very musical household. My mom is a is an amazing piano player, and my dad is like an encyclopedia of music. And they were both they loved Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, and The Grateful Dead, and The Allman Brothers, and all this great folk rock music. And my dad is like he could be the historian for The Grateful Dead, and now I can too because I'm a total nerd about it. That's but why The Grateful really Dead's logo is your YouTube icon. Yeah. Uh, oh. It is? Well, at least it, it was in the video that I saw. Maybe it's different. Oh, I was God. like, why the Grateful Dead? Yeah. Okay. I put I put that as my Gmail 
contact photo, but oh, I guess it, you know, yeah, Google's Google, just that's yeah, so yeah. professional. <laughs> Jeez, we we could strike all this from the interview. No, I love it. <laughs> I love it. I was I was curious. I was like, oh, that's weird. You think it'd yeah, be you, but okay, yeah, I get it. Really yeah. But um, yeah, I was uh, as a child, I loved I loved singing. That was my first yeah voice. But I didn't play any instruments. I was just wicked ADD, like off the walls. I couldn't sit down and play scales for the clarinet or yeah. learn how to play the guitar. You know, um, and singing was all my always my thing. And the easiest way to get to it was music theater. So I did a lot of musical theater. And then um, when I moved to Santa Barbara is when I started playing guitar. Really, really, when I um, when I was in Florida, when I first got diagnosed with HS, hydratitis subrotiva, I didn't walk for like a month, month and a half. I was just pretty much bedridden, like going to the bathroom and, and coming back to the bed. And I was listening to music. And I just decided I'm sitting here. Why don't I learn how to play guitar? Yeah, it's an awesome thing. And then over time, I, I, I was obsessed with it. I entered into a contest in Santa Barbara called Teen Star, and I freaking won the thing. Oh. Like, it's, a, it's uh, like American Idol where there are judges, but then the crowd votes. So 70% oh. of is the crowd, and we had just moved there, and we didn't know anybody. Yeah, like, so it's not like other- you had your army in the crowd yeah. voting for People you. People want, like, every single person they've ever known, and somehow I won the thing. You know, I... I I got the popular vote and that's when I sort of looked at it and went, I think I'd rather be doing this yeah. I love theater, but this is more, I, it feels more like me and yeah. it's also more accessible, you know, instead of being in a production and waiting yeah. five months to do, to do a couple shows and then yeah. you're done. And is that, are you still doing that today? Are you still writing and, and producing music, putting out yeah. your own? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So American Idol. You know, I did American Idol. I try to brush that. I hate, I hate being seeming braggy or not humble in any way. Um, so I just, I refer to it as American Idol. It's just like, yeah, the, the American Idol thing. You know, it wasn't like. Yeah. <laughs> um, after that, I had a big realization. I, prior to it, I was sort of on the war path of get famous, get you know, get my name out there. I want to have a big name and lights. Yeah. I just wasn't really considering if I should be in lights yet if if i like not as a moral thing but quality wise like look at i look at all the artists that i love and they work really really freaking hard on having content that defines them and an image that defines them and i didn't really have that yet i didn't have songs that that really defined me yet so after that i just sort of i just took a step back and i'm here in london um and i'm at a music school and i'm just sort of Trying to find myself. Yeah. Trying to find myself, man. <laughs> well, all right. So we, we got to get into your backstory, but there's something that's hitting me right now, which is, A, it's incredibly important to know your purpose and your why and your, like, what is it that resonates with you? And if you want other people to connect to what you're talking about or singing about, you got to have that. So recognizing that disconnect, that's a, a huge point of maturity and realization. So, you know, credit for for having that pause to be like, what is my message like what's going to resonate i think what may surprise anyone who does know your background and has seen you you know out there and like seen your tedx or whatever it probably surprises them to hear you say that you didn't have that message yet and i like the message you've been talking about publicly is not necessarily what you would sing about so i 
I can yeah. see why they wouldn't necessarily align, but like you seem like someone who is all purpose, all yeah. direction, all focus, all yeah. impact. Um, so it's it's like a moment of humility and maybe vulnerability to admit yeah. like you know it's not seeing that it's one and the same and it isn't. It's yeah. so the things that I write about and the things that I sing about and the things that move me are so individual, mm. but they fall under the umbrella of everything. You can be talking about walking down the street and I saw a little kid drop his ice cream cone and yeah. it made me think about me and my dad when I was five. And that's like the most specific example of anything you could have, but it falls under the umbrella of life. It's yeah. this it's really interesting dichotomy of things that are so personal to me, yeah. like the, like something about the sweaters that I wear that have an emotional impact on anybody that's listening. Because yeah. it it's kind of a self, it's really a selfish thing. Music yeah. is, is a self thing. You have to figure out, you have to know at the core of yourself who you are yeah. in order to resonate with other people and other people see it and they, and they use it for themselves. So yeah. I guess it's, you have to take care of yourself first in order to take care of others. Yeah. And especially if you're writing your own music. So like it, it yeah to to put that much of yourself into something or to not put that much of yourself into something where it's just like we just need a hook we just need some words like then it's a factory it's like yeah. that's fine you know to each their own and more power to them and success and all that but um yeah it's a different different level of resonating yeah. um, it's turned into a totally different show but uh, <laughs> <laughs> um but it's it's it strikes me um hearing that but i want to get into the story and yours is it's a long one because it starts really early on like and actually your music story starts like colicky baby time yeah um yeah. but yeah take us through what uh you know what what you've been through in life and you mentioned two different chronic illnesses yeah. um that you manage today that shape a lot of what you do and who you are so fill fill the audience in on yeah your story well it was a stormy summer evening july 17th <laughs> <laughs> It was July 17th when I was born, uh, which is my grandfather's birthday, which is pretty cool. Um, That's cool. My mom, when she, a few months before that, the doctor said, oh, you know, he'll be here sometime in August, you know, maybe early September. And my mom was like, nope, July 17th. That's my dad's birthday. I know he's coming on that day. Wow. Um, and, my, and the doctor was like, he better not. I have a black tie dinner that night. Sure enough, that night he comes into the hospital full black tie. He's like, yeah. it had to be tonight. Um, it's the most so formal he, birth he's ever he's ever gone for. Birth. I came out in a tuxedo as well. Yeah. Um, age three, uh, uh, even even before that, you know, growing up, um, I was pretty prone to ear infections. Um, I would get sick a lot as a kid, but at age three, my mom started noticing that I was going to the bathroom a lot more. I was drinking water. Um, and I was just, I was really sleepy, you know, something was up and we went to the doctor and they were thinking, no, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's a cold. It's whatever he's had problems with, with being cold before. And my mom went home and she was like, eh, -uh, there's, yeah. there's no way mama bear instinct. She sterilized a Tupperware with hot water and soap. I peed in it and she brought it to our local doctor's office and said, test this. I know it's off protocol. I have a feeling, please test this. And they were like, all right, fine. Because we knew them, you know, we were living in a small town on Long Island, New York. Yeah. And uh, and we were walking out. And by the time that she was putting me like in the in the car seat, 
one of the nurses was like, wait. And she, and, and we walked back in and all the nurses are just like totally gone pale. And they said, you need to go to uh, Schneider's Children's Hospital. I think it was Schneider's, but you need to go to a children's hospital right now. Sure enough, type 1 diabetes, three years old. Uh, I didn't have to really deal with it, which was yeah, pretty yeah. I was, I was, in, I was in the hospital. I have, I have such a distinct memory of, of sliding a red wagon wheel down the hallway during that time and using okay. it as a little puck. Um, and that's sort of been the outlook that I've stuck with. Like when the the nurse came in to give me my first shot of insulin, my mom just said, my mom and my dad were like, this is going to, it's going to hurt a little bit, but it'll make you better. Nurse came in, gave me the shot. I looked at her and I said, thank you. <sighs> Not a tear, not a, not yeah. any. Um, so from three to four, uh, I was on insulin shots, no pump yet. At yeah. four years old, I got the pump, which was huge, you know, continuous insulin. Um, and for those who don't know, type one diabetes is when the pancreas uh, is being attacked by the white blood cells of the body. It's an autoimmune disease. Yeah. So it just doesn't, it does not secrete insulin. So you have to do it manually. You have to manually control your blood sugar. If it's high, you have to give insulin. If it goes low, you have to give sugar. And the pancreas usually does that. Um, and the pump is a machine that holds and distributes uh, insulin as if it were a manual digital pancreas per se. Um, so so this, isn't, this isn't about bad eating habits or anything like that. Like type 2 diabetes is a metabolic response to how you're living your life yeah. and so your your sensitivity to insulin shuts down so it's not a question of whether you can make it or not it's that whatever you're making is irrelevant yeah versus type one is like whether you're healthy or not your body is not producing it um and it's i mean it's your body working against your body in a sense yeah yeah or it is i always say like i should just i should just get rid of the pancreas yeah. i could be lighter i maybe i could run fast. <laughs> He's not paying rent in there. Get yeah. it out. <laughs> I do um, know a type one diabetic who lost uh, part of his pancreas in a car accident, and that was what precipitated. So he can make it, but not enough. Oh wow! Um, yeah. So, but yeah, it's a it's an interesting weight loss strategy <laughs> to actually remove the pancreas, but not not recommended. Yeah, yeah. Um, life was pretty normal growing yeah. up. You it's didn't so really know any different. Like your first I, memories probably are like you were already diabetic by the time you yeah. really, yeah. Yeah. Pricking my, I, I was pricking my finger by the time I was like four or five doing it myself, you know? And, uh, we always had trouble controlling my blood sugars for sure. It was always a struggle, especially cause I was again, like off the wall, like total bouncy ADD kid. Um, and it was hard to get me to eat, you know, like mm -hmm. you'd give insulin for a meal. And then I'd say like, no, I don't want to eat this. I want to eat this. I want to go run out in the front yard. I don't want to go yeah. in the back. And um, now, now your numbers are going to be off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I don't eat enough food. Then the insulin works too much. Um, we were we were always trying to get control yeah. of that. And around 13 years old, you know, right at the start of puberty, I got this uh, I got this thing on my head, this abscess. No, no one had any idea what it was. They said, oh, it's going to go in hair, whatever. See four different dermatologists and a plastic surgeon finally got the thing still on, still on long island or were you down yeah. in florida at the time yeah so this was on long island okay. and uh, at the end of this ordeal like getting it taken out and healing um one of my doctors said have you ever considered moving somewhere tropical and we thought uh my mom had just taken a little trip to florida and she's a kindergarten teacher and we always just sort of 
we've been we moved around a ton you know moving to florida was probably like our sixth or seventh move in the past couple years we would just go wherever she worked or you know wherever just the wind took us that's always the way we we did it um so we moved to florida it's great it's gorgeous you know it's we're we're right near the beach and and i'm surfing and and you know running around and um rent was way cheaper which was awesome florida was so cheap and uh a few months after that, maybe like one or two months after getting there, I got eight or nine of these abscesses on my legs. Wow. Like each of my legs just totally got lit up. Um, so the first one on your head taken care of, like removed while you were in New York and nothing else? Nothing else. Uh, I had one small one on my cheek. They thought it was just like um, uh, cystic acne. Okay. The whole, but the whole thing with uh, that was it wasn't like all at one time overnight. They were growing on my legs, and I was just sort of ignoring them. Yeah. I didn't know what they were. I thought it might have been whatever puberty stuff. And I was ashamed of it. I was like, yeah. I don't want to show show anybody that. Uh, at one point, I was like, I couldn't walk. Like I was I was limping in school. You know, yeah. but you were hiding it. So, like in the TEDx, you talk about like wearing pants in the heat and like yeah. I, even though that hurt more. Oh yeah. Like total, even from your mom. Yeah. From, from everybody, nobody really knew. Um, I was just, I was, I always have the image of like, I was just trying to duct tape myself yeah. together during that time, you know, and band-aiding. And I told, you know, I told her we went to, went to the doctor. Um, first one or two didn't know what they were, but we went to a naturopath who diagnosed it as hydratinitis separativa, thank God. The average diagnosis time for HS is up to seven years. Oh. Seven years because it's not represented or or talked correctly really in any way or or um talked about you're at least like 18 or 24 months into it though if we go back to the first one in long island right so it's not like this is the first time it happened and they caught it within a few months like you've been on a journey but not seven years no no um and it, it takes it's only it's only hs if it's in multiple places Okay. So really, you get a diagnosis when it's like if it's in two places. If it's if you have cyst under the arm and in the leg or on the or whatever. Like if it's a if you, they see a pattern, it yeah. often goes undiagnosed because it's just one. People get cysts and abscesses sometimes. Yeah. Um, but the naturopath we saw told me, you know, cut out these foods. Pretty much everything: yeah. gluten, dairy, soy, corn, wheat, sugar, tomatoes, potatoes. All the things a fourteen-year-old yeah. loves to eat. I was just freaking out. Yeah. That was it was a really dark time. Um, the pain was was bad, but it was also the lifestyle change. Yeah. And I mean, like cutting out all that food as a fourteen-year-old, it's it was crazy. Yeah. I mean, it was, and I didn't for a while. I, I I would eat sort of at home better, and then I'd go to school and I I cheat on everything i'd eat pizza and yeah. donuts whatever well, it's all around you yeah of course yeah. being in high school lunch cafeteria you know um it got a little better and a little worse it was just sort of teeter-tottering uh and they told me you know you're in a really hot climate hot and moist climate climate and there's not much you know the diet the food here isn't great have you ever considered moving somewhere else whatever and we figured um, somewhere like California, lucky enough, the uh, the guy that my mom was dating at the time, Jeff, who's an absolute saint, who like they'd been dating for a little while. 
And it, when I got diagnosed, he was like trying foods, like making different foods, doing oh. test and like trying to make sweet potato cakes and, and coconut flour, this and that, yeah. you know, super sweet. Um, he had family who had lived in Santa Barbara, California, and they said it's, you know, it's beautiful there and, and they recommend it. Packed up and went to California. Wow. All the stuff from Florida and, uh, and moved out there. It was really heartbreaking because I really loved Florida. I loved the, the people there and the school. Yeah. It was really fun um, being there and made great connections. Did but... you finish the school year or anything? You just like picked up and left midstream? I just left. Wow. <laughs> That's yeah, so really hard. <laughs> right after the um, right after the school show, right after the play. It was Beauty and the Beast. It's you have super... to stay for the play. Absolutely. Yeah. Literally, we had the cast party the night after the show was done, and then I was gone. Wow. So it was so sad. Like yeah. I had such good friends with everybody in that cast. Then boom, I was gone the next day. Yeah. Really wild. That's a that's a thing I really don't dig into that much that really affected me. I was going to ask like if that's something you still process think about today like it's it's a lack of closure, it's a feeling of like immediately severed ties kind of leaves you yeah. raw at the same time that you're also severing ties with all the food that you've eaten. Yeah. You know, your own body, like comfort in your body yeah. and trying to understand what's going on with it. It's a lot for a, a kid to process. Yeah. I'm, I move, I mean, I move so fast. I always have that. Uh, I think I've, I think I've, I've just sort of soaked it into my personality. Yeah. So I am cut off. If I, if it needs to be done, I'll do it, you know, with love, like, if it needs to be done, that's it. And that's yeah. how it's going to go. You know? Are you not processing it or do you have a way of coping with it? Like, is it like, it's not it's a choice to just move on or it's like, I've developed these skills that help me face it. A little of both. It's like, it's sort of, I'm always doing like fake it till you make it. Yeah. You know, like I got to go and I have to be okay. And I have to, I have to move on. So I will. And music, of course, I'm, just I'm always, 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 always listening to or writing music. Yeah, and that's a uh, that's an outlet for it. But you know, having having diabetes since since three, there are harsh choices that you got to make in order to protect yourself. And sometimes you got to put yourself in front of in front of other things. So yeah, it's not new to you. Yeah, yeah. So out to California. Yeah, healthy living. Yeah. Oh, not yet. <laughs> I got there and I was so I was so freaking sad about leaving Florida. That was just I was doing the same thing. I was eating, you know, crappy food. And I finally got my act together. At some point I just said I have to do this, you know. I was um at this point it was it was on my it was on my legs. It was under my it was not under my arms yet. It was just on my legs. I had a little bit going on on the neck and the chest, just like tiny little little patches of it. Um, and I was really good for a while in the first year of being there. I fell off the wagon and I had a breakfast burrito at school, like a total processed potato corn flour yeah. uh, breakfast burrito. And I got an abscess under my left arm the size of a baseball. Isn't that amazing how quickly... The body was like, no, yeah. get it out, get yeah. it out, <laughs> get it away. Well, it's because what we're talking about is it, these are autoimmune issues. Your diet, your diabetes, HS, yeah. and that's that's the body doing it. So what you give the body to work with will have an immediate impact. Yeah. 
Yeah. And definitely, definitely with, with HS, um, I'm not a, I wouldn't consider myself a scientific expert in it, but I've gotten as I've done a lot of research and essentially the thinking is that food or whatever it may be, if it's, um, I also can't, I can't drink, can't smoke, can't do any recreational, anything of any kind, which is really a blessing in disguise. I was going to say, say it as I don't, not I can't. Cause you, yeah. you can, you choose I not to for your hurt. own sake. Yeah. I don't I, do any of those things either. I, I, I certainly just, can, but. I just started thinking about that. I was at a, yeah. I was at a bar with some friends last night and they're like, are you going to drink? I'm like, no, I don't drink. And I always say, I can't. I'm like, no, I can't. I have, I have this thing. Just, no, I don't. Yeah. You know, um, essentially the thinking is that whatever substance goes into the body yeah. goes into the stomach and the lining of the, of the small gut and the intestine and it pokes through the lining. Yeah. It's, it doesn't get metabolized correctly. It goes back out into the bloodstream. The bloodstream takes it to a lymphatic center. Lymph nodes are in the neck and under the arms. Women have them under their breasts, which they also get uh, flares from in the groin. And these are the garbage centers essentially of the body. And it gets totally backed up yeah. by a huge, you know, if you have a lot of food, if you have a lot of that waste, it gets backed up there and sends white blood cells, thus creating an abscess. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if you think about it, I don't, I don't know how many everyday people realize that your, your gut, your stomach, your intestines, yeah. they're not solid. Like they are permeable. Yeah. And so there's a term leaky gut, like things can come out of them. And if they do that, that's not where those things are supposed to be. Yeah. And you're not supposed to have a cheeseburger floating around in your body. Yeah. It's, you know, it's supposed to be in and out and contained. But if that doesn't happen, it's not it's supposed just... to be in and out, in and out. Get it. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Fair <laughs> enough. Um, but, but when it's out of the place where it's supposed to be sequestered, it's essentially a toxin in your body. Yeah. And exactly. And there is no, there's no process for expelling those toxins if it's out of your digestive tract. So it ends up depositing in different places or agitating or creating problems. And that's, um, you're sort of like a, a magnifying glass on that issue. Yeah. 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 Um, someone, uh, I was in a, I was in a guitar store once and, um, I think this girl, this young, I was talking to this woman, she was saying, do you know, do you know this? Cause I was, I, I was in there for a little while and I was playing. She's like, do you know what this guitar is? And she had her, her daughter with her. And I think she asked me or she asked her mom, Mommy, what happened? What happened to his neck? Or she asked me, "What happened to your neck?" And it was it, it's, it's such a great explanation. I just I just had it on the spot. If I don't yeah. pat myself on the back, I said, "You know how you get allergies when you sneeze? You you accidentally sniff something in, and your body sneezes out." I said, yeah. "My body does that, but it doesn't quite know how to do that. So instead of coming out through my nose, it comes out through my skin. When the yeah. bad things go in, it comes out through my skin. That's like that is brilliant. Simplest simplest way yeah. I could possibly put it. And I try to avoid." leaky gut nowadays. I remember a few years ago, there was a big, if you, God forbid, you get into some of the blogs and some of the yeah, websites. It's a controversial term. It's really controversial. Yeah. So I, I put it as food goes in and then it pokes out of the lining of your gut. That is as black and white as you can put it. Yeah. yeah. It is really interesting to me, you know, as a, a family with chronic illness and lots of food related choices we've made and, and other like chemicals and whatnot, yeah. um, how like angry and violent people get talking about these things mm -hmm. in both directions. And same thing, yeah. like, we're not going to go down this path, but like <laughs> the um, uh, vaccination, yeah, like, people 
it's like they're ready to strangulate each other. It's re- it's really, 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 yeah. really crazy. And we're just trying to be well. Like that's we all have the same goal. Um, I had I had that same. I of course I'm not going to get into it. But I when I was um, when I was two or three, I had the I had the MMR vaccine. My mom knows the facts. Obviously, I was very young. It was either the, it was the MMR vaccine. Yeah. And a day or two afterward, I shut down. Like yeah. I stopped making eye contact. I was flapping my hands and walking on my toes and banging my head on things. Yeah. And the um and the year after that, I had like had just sort of recovered and I had early intervention five days a week every single day. And I got the chickenpox vaccine. And then a month later, yeah. I got I got type one diabetes. We were at a we were at a uh, JDRF, a juvenile diabetes research foundation photo shoot. And my mom was talking to these other moms. One mom had lupus, yeah. one mom had Hashimoto. My mom has has thyroid and all three or four of them that they were talking, their kids got their vaccines, either chicken pox or MMR. All the moms had autoimmune and a, and a month afterward they were diagnosed. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So clearly yeah. there's autoimmunity issues afoot and that's what vaccines are working on. So it's a lot. It's a yeah. lot of, you look at the, if you look at the ingredients, there aren't space metal, you know, there's not, it, it's a lot for a, person who is autoimmune compromised yeah. to take. And I, and I just found out, uh, two years ago, I took a genetic test, a really detailed, like mapped out super genetic test. It was a favor from a family relative of mine. And I have genes in my body, uh, on both sides that I got from my parents that inhibit me as a young person, even stronger. And now to not be able to process heavy metals and yeah. heavy toxins in my liver and my kidneys. Methylation. Methylate. Yeah. I methyl I the MTHFR on both sides. Yep. Yep. Which it's actually super, is super common. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as I started taking methyl B, my blood sugar was like total flat totally flattened out. As soon as that interesting. methyl happened. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean knowledge is absolutely power. You just have to be willing to be open to it instead of like we're bucking and fighting against knowledge that could just help us and help those around us. Um, I, I do say like, so my dad's a doctor, a ton of respect for the medical community. And at the same time, I would love for all doctors to remember at the heart, you're scientists, which means you're supposed to be observing yeah, and seeing things change and shift. And you do have a commitment to helping people. So rather than taking it as, as an offense or a challenge to your intelligence. Yeah. Just reminding yourself what we're supposed to be observing. And let's not forget it in the grand scheme of humanity. It wasn't so long ago, bloodletting and leeches was like, that was the cure for everything. Yeah. yeah. You know, so it wasn't so long ago. You had diabetes. You just died. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. Was, let's see how long you make it. Well, even it was just insulin shots. I mean, even like when you were first getting treated, like that was the primary solution or in the 80s or whatever like the insulin pump wasn't a thing back then um you know for all the peloton users who who are out there and if you know robin arzon like she runs marathons with her pump visible and like you know she makes a statement about that which is awesome like there was no such thing yeah there's yours there's my sensor like, it's not that long ago that those things didn't even exist so things keep moving forward if we observe and if we challenge and if we grow not if we stand firm and yell at people yeah <laughs> all right we're off on a tangent but it doesn't yeah, make us we're, wrong we're in the medical thing uh, now, yeah and i would just say like uh, yeah 
vaccines, um, they're, they're adding more and more things to a single shot. So like when I was a kid, each, each, there was no MMR. There was an M an M and an R. Yeah. And now it's like, Oh, but that's not convenient. And I get that because it's a lot of shots and it's a lot of time, but now it's like seven in one. That's a lot for like a two week old, a three month old or whatever to process. It's, it's the assumption that everyone is the same. Yeah. It's it's unconscious assumption. I have relatives who are 60 years old who can eat cheeseburgers every day and they'll live another 30 years. Yep. Can't sniff a tomato without (laughs) with my body freaking out, you know? Yeah. Well, tomatoes are gross, so that's okay. (laughs) But, (laughs) um, and that's another podcast. I I was going to ask what you think of olives. Do you like olives? I love pickles. I don't love olives. Okay. I need to reassess olives. I, I don't like I olives. As a kid, as a kid, my mom would put out olives in a bowl at a party. And I remember just one time, I liked the pickly taste of them, but not like the center or anything else. Yeah. Put an olive in my mouth, suck on it, take off all the salt, and put it right. <laughs> as a kid, I was like four or five. Um, I have a theory that olives and tomatoes both being gross people either love both of them or hate both of them and for relationships you tend to want to be with someone who is the opposite because someone's got to eat those damn tomatoes off your salad that's all i'm saying my my girlfriend loves the bottom of asparagus and i love the top of asparagus okay so you guys i I mean it's just an efficiency thing really (laughs) efficiency and waste um what are we talking about let's get let's get back to your story so so you California breakfast burrito have another flare up. Yeah. Where do you go from here? Um, so after that, still searching for doctors who could give us some answers. Yeah. No one really has except for the diet thing. Um, and we hadn't really fully trusted that diet was the only solution, like the thing that I could do solely. Um, because there were, you know, my blood work wasn't great and I was getting labs back that were saying I was deficient in things. Mm. So I saw a doctor in LA, a, um, a, uh, dermatologic naturopath, um, per se. And she started prescribing, um, different vitamins and supplements and vitamin D, C and, and, and methylation B and, and food enzymes and, and all these things to chelate and, and get all the toxins out of my body. And I was getting worse and worse and worse. Like I had one little spot in my chest and it was totally, totally spreading out, totally spreading out, started to spread in my back. And she said, it's just, you know, it's the, it's the robbers coming out of the house. It's yeah. just all the bad stuff coming out. And we looked in, we, uh, we were seeing her a few, like maybe four months in between. She had three practices and she was very hard to get, to get a, we didn't see her much. We had contact with her office, but yeah. we found this other doctor, this woman who, uh, who's an HS expert who lived, um, who lived back East, who said, I saw your Ted talk. This is amazing what you're doing. Yeah. And she looked at some of my supplements. She's like, uh, there's yeast in your orthobiotic in your pre, in your prebiotic. Yeah. Like 80 billion CFUs of yeast a day. And you're supposed to be completely avoiding yeast. Uh, that's the, like the number three worst thing there is, yeah. right? Yeah. I was, I had totally yeast overgrowth and it totally ripped my chest and my back apart. Uh-huh. But needless to say, we stopped seeing her. Yeah. Um, and after I stopped taking that, 
I was a completely different person. Yeah. Everybody that I was hanging out with was like, you seem totally different. For that year, I was completely brain fogged. Yeah. I couldn't, I had total short term memory loss. I was depressed. I was, I wasn't doing a show then. Couldn't memorize any of my lines. Yeah. A week after I got off that ortho, that prebiotic, I had 120 pages memorized. That's wild. That show, you know, um, so we started actually getting consult from that other doctor back east. She ended up sort of doing the same thing, um, not with not with the wrong supplement, but I was doing like eight or nine things yeah. a day, and my gut the whole time, my my instinct was telling me I don't want to do. It was like I don't want to do this. I don't feel like I should be doing this. Yeah, and it rules your life following like all the protocol. Oh God, yeah. it's just so much to remember because the, the timing of when you take what and how how much between food and of course you also have your diabetes to manage. Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. Um, after, after we cut everything off, I was like, I'm done. I'm like, I'm done with doctors. I am absolutely over it. And I just started focusing on food and focusing on lifestyle and being happy. And I, and I started to sort of get better. I was, Mm. I was really I knew I was getting better. I was in the worst shape that I had been like so far, like yeah. in bed, just completely energy drained. But I knew deep down that it was like really actually the purge of that. Um, so that winter I was, uh, just in bed that, that winter was, uh, there were wildfires in Santa Barbara yeah. had to evacuate because I couldn't, there was just like smoke. It yeah. was really, close to our house too. So we wanted to get out of there. And I was up, we went up to a family's house in Monterey. And again, I was in bed. I was just sitting on the couch watching the office for, for a really long period of time. Um, the messing on happiness at least uh, stuff. Kinda. Maybe not. I was, I was trying to, and then yeah. I got away from society. I was just in a little house in the woods. Um, but that spring was when things started turning around. I just, okay. I just had my diet really under control. And things started healing. And that was around two years ago. And now I am I am better than I have been in a really long time. I have energy. Um, pretty much my whole chest is healed. It's oh. just scar tissue now. Um, my back was like, it, was, it looked like someone was chipping, chipping balls out of it, you know, like golf divots. Um, and it was just spreading and spreading. That has started to tide over. Yeah. Started to introduce new foods. Um, doing eggs now, which oh. is amazing. Yeah, you haven't had eggs in what, like six years or something, probably. Six or seven years. It's yeah. unbelievable. Um, I'm just I'm stronger overall, you know. And I can I really have the awareness to say, all right, I'm eating I'm eating too many eggs. I can I know where I'm flaring, or I'm eating too much of this. I know that I'm flaring. I'm having too much sugar. Yeah, I know there's a flare there. Um, I've just sort of found a system that that work for me. It's a really interesting theme that's come up in a few episodes, this notion of like having to go through that really difficult process to put it lightly to find the clarity and the trust in your own body and your sense of what your body needs. And once you get to that point, it allows you to live your life. And the fact that like you're not living with your mom, you're out in in London, um, you know, different country, different access to things. Um, and to be able to do that, whereas if you remember like back in your high school days, like that difficulty with what can I eat? I can't eat anything. There's yeah. all these temptations. You're navigating that all yourself and saying how you feel healthier and stronger 
than you have been in a long time. And that the only way you can do that is having that trust and connection with what your body really needs yeah. and how to deliver it. It's, it's really unbelievable that you gotta listen to your gut. You have to listen, literally your, yeah. your gut, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's connected to the brain and, and it's just instinct. You, yeah. you know, deep down more than you think you do. For sure. Whoever's listening to this. Yeah. Can you, can you talk about the Ted talk for just a second? Like, how did you, cause you kind of glossed over, like when you're like, and that doctor saw the, how did that happen? What led you to want to do that? And you've done other things, uh, you know, around diabetes too, like to bring awareness, where did the drive to do that kind of stuff come from? And how did you get involved in some of the things you've done, including like for the wildfires and mudslides? Yeah. Um, when I was four or five, soon after being diagnosed, we had a, uh, we had a friend, I think another diabetic friend, um, got hooked up with JDRF and there was a photo shoot in New York City. And they were getting diabetic kids, you know, just for a simple little photo shoot for their for their uh, yearly report or something. And uh, this kid that we came with got really nervous. He was supposed to do the photo shoot, got really nervous. And, and, and they asked me, they're like, Jax, do you want to sit in front of a camera and, you know, answer some questions? And I was like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Musician, ego from the start. yeah. <laughs> And, uh, and they, they really liked me. And then they asked me to do another thing. And I ended up, uh, I was in a commercial with Mary Tyler Moore. Yeah, that's wild. In a commercial with Mary Tyler Moore. I sat right next to her. And I, I, I remember I asked her, I was like, where, where do I look? She said, <laughs> hit the camera. And you smile. She was so sweet. Um, so when HS came around, I was like, where's the awareness? Yeah. I was like, with this organization my whole life that had, been so vocal about type one and research and it's like the the google statistics for hs are wrong yeah i mean it says like it affects up to one percent of the population it's four percent 230 million people globally yeah i think that that's the thing that hit me is if you do the math on what that means it's it's two-thirds of the u.s population you know it's not no one you know two or three people in the spec of all your friends on Facebook, you yeah. probably know at least three people with it. I'm I'm thinking back through childhood and like camp counselors when they had their shirt off or friends of mine and like we didn't know what anything was. We didn't talk yeah. about it or whatever. I, I can think of at least four people that like maybe it was an HS, but it would be it's a little bit hard to believe knowing what I know now and looking at how widespread things were. Yeah. Is is at least something autoimmune related. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's probably what it was like it is out there you do probably know people with, like you're saying at least two people yeah and and even even not everybody has autoimmune but the for the people that do people who don't have it if they have a better understanding they'll it, it's so much more helpful like yeah. you said knowledge knowledge is power just having the information of what that like what that is like or what dealing with that is like on a daily basis depending on the severity is huge you know, the difference between someone saying, I have this condition, it really drains me. So if I'm ever seeming in a bad mood, or if I ever seem snappy at you, it's because of that, it's really hard to deal with, as opposed to nothing, yeah. you can make any assumption in the world about that person, and then move on with your day, you know. Um, so awareness is the game. And the TEDx was, a, of course, a huge way to do that. It's a huge honor. I've always loved TED Talks. It was maybe a month, a month and a half before the event. They were looking for music 
a friend of mine posted on Facebook, musicians, you know, drop your info and we're looking for a musician. And I dropped my info and someone reached out to me and they said, we'd love to have you play. But like, they they were like, you've got a Ted talk in you. Like, absolutely. Yeah. And they said, so here's the issue. It's a month and a half away. They said, all the other speakers have had since like June to prepare and they've written drafts and drafts and drafts. And they were like, do you want to do it? I said, yeah, I was like, of course I have to. Yeah. So that month and a half, me and my mom and my stepdad every single day, like eight hours a day crafted this thing and wrote it and revised. And then I had to memorize it 15 minutes, no cue cards. Yeah. I totally, if I hadn't acted before that, I'm not sure I would have been able to do That's it. That's a good point. All right. So you had some stage training at least. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I'd, I was, you know, 17 then and I'd been acting since I was eight or nine. Yeah. So I, I, I definitely had that in my back pocket and, uh, I couldn't be happier with it, with that yeah. edX talk. It's just it, the work went in and I'm a, I'm a very much a perfectionist in getting my point across in yeah. an understandable way and in the way that I truly feel it and the same thing in my music and that says it you know that that dictates the experience and just the name hs it'll stick in your head you know if if mentioned again whoever watched that ted talk really watched it will remember it and that could save someone a lot of time and a lot of pain up to seven years upon diagnosis right right yes material material portions of people's lives and especially you think about how old you were when it presented. Yeah. So that's you, the most common time. Yeah. That's 13, 14. Puberty is the most common time. Yeah. So seven I, seven years is fifty percent of your life at that point. Yeah. So like <laughs> it's not it's not nothing. Jeez, uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Even the two years or, or so that you faced till you got some clarity on it. Um again, material amount of time. Yeah. And especially people, during that that growing phase. I mean, so but I I'm, I'll never complain about it. I, I, I've received messages from people who've had it for 26 years yeah. and who, people who had it for like 13 years and had no idea, yeah. like just are, couldn't, couldn't go outside, couldn't yeah. leave the house because they're in so much pain. They just live in bandages, you know, and, and people who for 26 years have had it and, and they, and people have messaged me and said, I've never told anybody. I just told my family today, or I just announced it on Facebook. Yeah. Gave me the courage to. Yeah, just it's un—it's unbelievable. Yeah, which of course is your purpose in in spreading the word. It's not just for knowledge in the the rest of the population, so there can be more understanding and supportive yeah. in the medical community, but also for the people who are stuck in it. That there's a voice that's trying to support them. Of course, yeah. it's a hugely emotional thing. Jackson, you just said something though that um, he said, like you know, I would never complain when you're comparing your experience to these people who've been, you know, quarter of a century before finding help or or understanding what's going on that I'd never complain. Peace really shines through in everything I've seen of you. Now I don't know what's going on inside, but there is this, I'm curious if you have the dark moments and you know, when, when you're alone, but like you've had this really strong resilience in the way you've talked about things publicly. Yeah that is super inspiring and, and reminds me like, it's a choice, you know, it's not like what you're facing is easy, but you've chosen how to deal with it. I'm just curious in in reality, like, do you also have the struggling moments? And if so, how have you gotten yourself through those to be able to be out there and be like, 
you know, I'm not, I'm not complaining about this. I'm not complaining about what I've gone through, which feels very genuine. It doesn't feel like yeah. you're just kind of like, it's a slogan. It's a stop story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in the really bad moments, like, uh, like going summer, going into winter of 2017, when I was really, really, really sick, just in bed, just a blob. Um, those are defining longer defining moments. It's just, it's sort of, that will build your resilience. And it's a good thing to look back on and say, if I can do that, I can do whatever's coming next. But in the smaller moments, like at the end of the day, when I've just worked for eight hours, I just come home from school. And then I come home and I realize I don't have any food in the fridge and I can't just go out to a restaurant and I have to wait on a train for an hour to get to Whole Foods to buy chicken that's way overpriced for a single meal to come home to wait for an hour for it to be done cooking in the oven to have a meal that doesn't really fill me up and yeah. isn't fully nutritious but I need to eat something it's very annoying yeah. you know it's really like why is this happening to me at yeah. the same time I am just so overly grateful that I'm even experiencing it I could be dead or not here or in a way worse position yeah. but it it's i guess it's it's part of my artist thing that the struggle and the gratitude are hand in hand yeah yin and yang and and just just gratitude for for being here and having what i have already had and knowing in those moments whether they are a, a tough moment at the end of a long day or a really bad one that I will bloom either way. Mm. If I have a good day, I'll bloom. If I have a bad day, I'll it'll be even better. That's awesome. Would you give this up? If you could change things, would you take it away? No. No way. Um no. I don't I just it's just I think I would be I think I'd be a frat boy. No, really. I think if I moved to California or if I was still in Florida, I think I'd be in a frat right now, drinking and partying and not motivated to, to do what I really love. I think I'd be an OK musician, but in hand in hand with not going out, not drinking and, and staying home for a lot of this time, I've put a lot of hours into my craft yeah. and it's my favorite thing to do. And it's and it's so necessary to be able to express my express myself creatively and artistically. Like I said before, it is a selfish thing, but it's it's so necessary. Yeah. To, and it's and it's again, I think I think it's it's selfish too. I think I'd be less interesting if I didn't have all this. If I didn't have all this happen, I wouldn't be as mature. I wouldn't have the the life experience that I do now, and all of that is going to roll over into the next part of my life and whatever I do later on. That's awesome. That's really beautiful. And I think that's a question I was afraid to ask for like the first 50, 60 episodes. And uh, it just struck me in an interview with my friend, Josh Perry, he's this pro BMX rider. People who listen regularly will hear me tell this exact same uh, <laughs> justification for the question every time, but he's got multiple inoperable brain tumors and the first one he had was operable, but it ended his BMX career, which was like, you know, his lifelong dream. Amazing guy. But he said it of his own, for, like, I didn't have to push him, but he was just like, I wouldn't give my tumors up for anything. And that hit me so hard in the moment. 
Like, I don't think anyone would have expected that or would have faulted him for saying that. And so after that, I've just found myself needing to ask consistently for people with what others would consider a great struggle and what they would just consider like, this is my life. Yeah. I've yet to meet someone who genuinely is like, yeah, I wish this didn't happen to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it all, I think adds up to what do you feel at the end of the day? What do you, what do you think? Are you, what are you thinking about when you get in bed? Are you thinking about like, I wish this, I wish this, I wish this, or what am I going to do tomorrow? If you're thinking, what am I going to do tomorrow? You're doing, you're fine. Yeah. Yeah. That was a really nice, simple way to put it. Just like your food poking out and your body sneezing in other ways. Like really, uh, you, you bring a lot of clarity to what are actually super profound, difficult to understand issues um yeah i i've i've really enjoyed this i've taken a lot from it i I wonder if there's something you would leave people with that you're like you know we never touched on this and it's been really valuable for me or something you want to reiterate before we close things up um i'll quote one of my favorite uh avid brothers songs and if you've never heard of the avid brothers they're the reason i started playing music they're what i listened to every day when i was in florida and in bed and how i started playing guitar um it just came to mind. Uh, Tell the truth to yourself. It's one of their. Ooh. It's one of their songs off their new albums. It's about what what I'm thinking is the takeaway, at least for me in this moment. It might reach out to other people. Is tell the truth to yourself and just be aware. Keep your eyes and your ears open. Don't don't settle on anything too quickly. Don't think you found the solution in that moment just because it feels good. And uh, we're we're tiny, insignificant specks in a in an indifferent universe. So take your time with whatever you do. Take your time with whatever you do, and know that it, this is so cynical. It all doesn't matter that much, as long as what you're doing feels right and it makes you happy and it's not hurting anybody else. Do it, you know. That's awesome. It's a cynical view, but from a 20 year old <laughs> it's you could say it's cynical you could also say it's empowering and freeing yeah right? that's that's what i like to yeah it, it, anytime I, I something is rough is happening to me or i see someone i see someone sleeping on the street and it's 30 degrees and or someone drives by in like a two million dollar bentley yeah it's like the world is just chaos there's uh, how could anyone make sense of anything yeah our human brains are too small they do not work well enough to grasp the full scope of everything that is happening on earth so we have to just focus on what's in front of us exactly what in front of us and and one step at a time that's awesome um really powerful note i think to to close things up where can people find out more about you catch your music see what you're up to you go to jacksonsings.com um just jacksonsings.com. That's my, you'll find my social media and stuff on there. But my Instagram is just Jackson Gillies, Jackson.Gillies. My Facebook is Jackson Gillies. Um, at the moment, not a lot going on. Follow me because that's where I really update. I update on my social media because that's the way it goes. If I have any music that comes out, it'll be that way. Yeah. But uh, for the moment, I'm just here in London. And, and like I said, I'm taking a step back and, and writing uh, as much as I can and learning how to write yeah. uh, and just trying to, I think of it less as develop myself as an artist 
then chip away at the marble. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's at least the artist there. within. It's there. I know what I like. I know what I am. Yeah. But I just gotta. I just gotta push everything else that's not really me out of the way. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Thank you so much for making time to do this. Um, Thank you. For giving so much of yourself. I mean, you you've not just here, obviously, but for years you've really been putting yourself out there vulnerably telling your story your truth in a really empowering way for the sake of a really broad benefit and that's like you're consistently doing that on a number of fronts um that is an amazing way to take the cards you've been dealt yeah and turn them into a winning hand that sounds super cliche but (laughs) it doesn't mean it's not true that's that's Uh, it yes thank you man i really appreciate you coming on Thank you very much. Are you ready to help me close the show? I am. All right. Today's a new day. Go out, have fun, find yourself and do it. That's awesome. That's great. Thanks, man. Is that guy amazing or what? Such a good human being. Just like genuine and real and caring and kind. He's given so much of himself so honestly, you know, just opening up telling what's going on what he's battled with trying to create more awareness so that you know maybe it helps somebody else i love that make sure you do head to jackson sings he posts his latest music there but he is also really active on his facebook page and you can catch what he's doing over there he's also on instagram so jackson gillies on facebook jackson.gillies on instagram and jackson sings Um, I think it's also Jackson Gillies music, but if you do Jackson Sings, it'll go right through. Uh, All the links in the show notes, you can check all that out. Awesome, awesome human being. Do watch his TED Talk as well. I've linked to that in the show notes too. Although if you just Google his name and the word TEDx, you'll find him there too. Um, And yeah, maybe we can all take some inspiration from the Abbott brothers. So I threw a link to that in the show notes also. And you can hear what inspires Jackson is his favorite band too. Amazing guy. So glad to have had him on the show. Um, Yeah, he just gave a lot of himself. I'm really thankful for that. Uh, Hopefully this is all resonating with you guys. If episodes like this one and all the others mean something to you, I would be so thankful and grateful of you going on to iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen to this podcast, Spotify, wherever else, and leave a review and a rating. The more positive reviews and positive ratings, five-star ratings that we get, the more the podcast gets discovered by others. And just like Jackson is trying to increase awareness of HS, I am trying to increase awareness of everybody's story that I bring in the show to try to help people who are stuck in their lives and feeling that pain and maybe stuck in a little bit of why me and hearing a guest who is on the other side of why me and feeling thankful for that experience and how they got there. Look, we can all benefit from that. So please do take a moment. doesn't take long. Give a review, a rating. You can share the show with people you care about. All right. Thank you, everybody. Make sure you recognize that no matter how why me any moment feels like, it's always a new day and we have the ability to go out and do it. Thanks so much, everyone.